Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's The Big Show. Is everybody ready? Uh Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. It's hump day. Hump day? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake coming at you. From our Carrier Zone studios here at Vivint Arena, Austin Horton across the glass from me, producing today, of course, and safely social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one, the only, Gordon Monson. Hi, Gordon. Jake, you're getting pretty good at that, man. I really think you have a future in uh, hosting game shows. Oh, thanks, buddy. You know, I've had, uh-huh. a, I've had a few months now to hone the craft. <laughs> well... I think you've mastered it. Thanks, buddy. So, how you yeah. doing? You doing all right? I'm doing well. Yeah. How are you doing? Are you uh, prepared for the holidays and uh, everything that comes with it? Uh, no, but you know, we'll we'll all get through it together. I'm sure. Are you cheerier around the holidays, or are you kind of a little on the grumpy side? I try not to be grumpy. I don't know if I'm. I, I mean, I'm usually quite cheery uh, to begin with, so I I try not to be grumpy. So you don't do the Festivus thing where you uh, air your grievances like Austin does twice a week? Oh, man, yeah. we. Uh, it's funny you say that. Uh, uh, me and uh, a big group of friends, Festivus is a big deal for us. In fact, we're, I talked today. We might be doing a big Zoom gathering or something because usually it's a, it's the, the biggest uh, kind of get-together of the year. And what do you do without – do you use the pole and all that too? We have before, yeah. I mean, we've, we've found uh, – big metal poles or whatever but uh i I don't know it's become more of a just get to see people who are in town from out of town and old (laughs) friends thing as opposed to it it used to i mean we did the airing of grievances uh that usually but come on poles are fun (laughs) what's the what's the one called where you have to pin the the host the feats of strength the feats of strength we did that for a few years and then you know people started getting hurt so (laughs) kind of got a little too rough mainly because well, uh, it was uh, it was at my house once and i got blindsided and hands in, show into the snow uh but uh, but yeah it's kind of a bummer things are things are just different and i i'm you know festivus is the example in in my life but of course uh, many family gatherings and i'm sure church christmas parties and work christmas parties and all those things that uh, that we so look forward to throughout the year you know kind of can't happen so can't happen and for those of you who don't know what the heck we're talking about right now festivus is something that was uh, was born out of the uh, the seinfeld show and uh, it's uh, if you don't know what it is it's just it, it's supposedly a celebration for those who 
don't want to partake in the rest of the holiday, right? A festivus for the rest of us. But, mm. um, I, Gordon, Seinfeld, I, I think 99 out of 100 of our listeners probably know what festivus <laughs> is by now. It's been a kind, of a, so? been kind of a, like, when we started to celebrate it, it was like, oh, geez, it would have had to be in like, Oh one, oh two, or something like that. It was like cheeky and oh yeah, remember that episode. And now it's just uh-huh. now it's just kind of like faded. Into everybody's the, uh, having a festivist fabric. party these days. Everybody yeah. knows what it is because Seinfeld is still rerun on television twenty four seven. I think. Yeah, yeah. Now we got some football to talk about, some basketball too. But Jake, what TV show do you think was? Had the had in one way or another had an impact on the country, you know, whether it's silly or whether it's uh, something serious. What uh, anything stand out? Oh man, there's there's a lot that you could say. I mean, I I was at uh, the store the other day and walking by uh, some of the clothing that they had, and there was a Friends shirt that had like the <laughs> coffee shop on it, Central uh-huh. Perk or whatever. And Friends went off the air how long ago? Two thousand three. And they all seem, a lot of them are getting this rebirth on streaming, too, where they're just, uh, you know, remaking millions of dollars because of the bidding on the streaming. So it's, uh, I don't know. There, there's probably a lot of candidates uh, candidates out there. Well, uh, as I've told you before, the original Star Trek, that was the first time I saw anybody using a flip communicator. You know, beat me up, Scotty. So you're crediting them for the advent cell of the phone. cell phone? I, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'll credit Bill Shatner for a few things, but that isn't it. Yeah, maybe One not. heck of I, a music to, video for Rocket Man, by the way, if you've never seen that, look that up. To this day, uh, I think the, the bit of technology that they had on that show for beaming, if... If 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 in real life if we ever get to a point where we can beam people around, uh, that will be the greatest invention of all time. I think. Think about that. You just go over to get in the get on the station, and then and you can reassemble wherever. The problem is, what happens if like certain particles don't don't uh, don't show up? I, I knew I kn- fantasy. I knew that's where you were going. Caught in a landslide, no <laughs> escape from reality. <laughs> He's a weird Open guy. Open your eyes. Look up to the skies and see. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. What what oh, was boy. that uh, lawyer show that he was on in the early Boston Bo- Public? Boston Public or Boston was no Law? Boston Legal? Legal, yeah, yeah. But it was one of those David Kelly shows that are that were all the same. But he was <laughs> he was see. really funny on that show, and it had uh, Claire from Modern Family, Julie Bowen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good show. Anywho, I liked Boston yeah. Public better. What a what a start we're off to. Uh, this oh, is well, pretty sorry. incredible. Uh, as Gordon said. We are going to talk a lot of basketball and football today because there are big stories out there, Gordon, and we've got a great guest list today. Uh, Joining us at the top of the 3 o'clock hour, David Locke. He will be on with us. Sam Amick of The Athletic uh, will be on at 4, and Christian Cox will join us to wrap up the Ute season at 4.30. Particularly excited to talk to Sam because he's covered a lot of this Houston Rockets stuff 
very closely. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's got uh, some people inside uh, that organization that uh, give him good stuff. So looking forward to talking to him about a variety of things, but that in particular. What a mess down there. And you look at the Jazz, relatively speaking, as far as relationships go and whatnot, uh, and they are in a different world than the Houston Rockets right well, now. Well, we've got to spend some time on the Rockets because it is uh, kind of hilarious what's going on down there and considering, well, let me just say that uh, if you enjoy watching a, a franchise crash and burn, well, it's uh, I've been following the story all day. Let me put it that way. All right. I think, I think it's, it's it's you might you said it's somewhat hilarious. I think it's it's kind of sad. I think, but that, well, whatever. We well, we just view the world differently, Gordon. I suppose. Yeah, we do. Uh, let's get to the split story of the day because we do have a final college football game to talk about. Mm, we do. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 975-1280 the zone. And the zone sports network. And here goes Wilson. He's to the 10. To the 5. Stretching it for the goal line. Give him six. Jake Oldroyd will split the uprights. And it's an early BYU lead. Seven to nothing. Zach Wilson marches him down the field. 87 yards in five plays. Wilson will throw. That arm strength lays it right in there. Powell with the touchdown catch. 35 yards. And what a throw from Zach Wilson. He puts it in a position where the defensive back is not even looking. And Powell with that big size of 6'4", 215. Use those big mitts to pull it in. And it's been fun already watching Zach Wilson and this officer crew put up points tonight. First and goal now. Coming near side with an easy touchdown. Gunnar Romney from six yards out. And BYU just putting points on the board like this is an empty field now. 48 to 10. All right, BYU comes away with a victory, Gordon, at the Boca Raton Bowl. And uh, what a performance it was, 49-23, to and it wasn't even that close, as you know. Uh, what is likely Zach Wilson's final, uh, final game was an unbelievable performance. Uh, 26 of 34, three touchdowns, Gordon, uh, 425 yards through the air. He added uh, a couple of touchdowns on the ground. Tyler Algiers goes over 1,000 yards. He had 173 yards on the day on 19 carries. And they just waxed the UCF Knights. Waxed them. Yeah, you mentioned the score, not really telling the whole story. BYU could have scored 60-some points in that game if they'd really wanted to. They started goofing around a little bit in the second half. And, uh, and, you know, uh, they, they, at the end, they showed a little class, not scoring when they could have easily. Uh, look, that, that was an impressive showing by the Cougars offensively. Man, that first drive, right from the beginning, Jake, the first drive was almost like a video game. You know, huge chunks of yardage. Just right down the field score. Easy as can be. And I know that UCF, and we talked about this, does not have a great defense. But that's a team that lost to Cincinnati by three points. And BYU just absolutely mopped the field with them. Now, you know, there might be some some kind of circumstances involved in that, but uh, that was a decent team BYU just crushed. 
and uh, they deserve credit for that, I think. And uh, that hasn't always been the case all year long. Some of the games have just been easy because the opponent has not been that good. But UCF's a decent team, and BYU just made them look bad. Well, you said uh, offensively, and I certainly agree. But give the defense some credit, too. Yeah, thought they yeah. played really well. Uh, that was the, the fewest points the UCF has been held to in, like, multiple, like, three years or something crazy. I heard uh, when I was uh, driving home from the studio yesterday, I heard Rubel dropping a stat about that. So, uh, you know, give the defense credit, too. Um, 411 total yards for a UCF team that was number two in the country in, in total yard average. So, you know, give that defense some credit too, because that's you know, the offense was great and they weren't stopped uh, you know, hardly at all. Uh, but the D made that a blowout because they they shut down a pretty good offense. And you're right, uh, UCF averages uh, 585.6 yards a game. Right. So uh, BYU helped them well beneath that. But I I knew the game was going to be offensive, but I, I couldn't believe how easy it was for BYU to score. I mean, they made it look easy. And that offensive line gave Zach Wilson the time he needed. And when you give that quarterback that kind of comfort, he is going to tear you apart because those receivers are going to get open. Well, and, and they did. They give him a lot of credit. He was slinging it. I mean, he, he, he is really, really good. And he's he, better than I thought he was going to be. He he is he's a fine talent. There's making, no doubt about that. Making throws that he shouldn't be making, and and making them on the run. And obviously the arm strength there. Uh, shout out to Tyler Algiers for the the oh. layout catch of the decade. Well, I that still was don't low, know that how. was uh, that was Katoa. Oh, it was Katoa, not Algiers. Yeah. Excuse uh-huh. me, I, I knew it was the running back. I apologize. Yeah, Katoa with the uh, with the layout catch of the year. I still don't know how he grabbed that. Seemed it was like the tip of the tip of the finger. And somehow that uh, he came down with that. That was amazing. Well, if I landed on my belly like that, I'm vomiting. Yeah, right. <laughs> he was absolutely airborne, as you guys were talking about. And for him to not just get to that ball, but to hold on to it and gather it in so that it didn't really hit the ground, it looked to me like he got his arms under it to protect it. And you're right, spectacular, spectacular catch by a running back. And that BYU team was obviously very motivated to to prove a point and and put an exclamation point mark whatever it is on this season, and and prove it against a good team. Like you said, I mean UCF had, their resume spoke for itself. That was a good football team, and and BYU beat it up pretty good. And they were really motivated to do so. And I get it. I get it. Wanted to show one last time that this is this is one of those special BYU teams, even in this hard time. Yeah, I agree with that, and I was convinced of it. Uh, we'll all wonder how they would have done against a, a whole uh, slew of P5 talent teams, uh, but we'll, we'll never know. And so this team goes down in BYU lore as being an exceptional one. And uh, we'll never know about that other stuff, but you can see the talent. You, Tyler Algier is a great example. This kid came into BYU, and he – we give credit, Jake, uh, especially when we talk about basketball and we talk about the the the, uh, the jazz and the players who have gotten better through the years. We give them great credit. Algier, he was he was marginal at best when he showed up at BYU. Well, he's a walk on, right? A walk on linebacker. And he just well, he, they moved him around, but he he uh, he is impressive, man. He runs uh, with power. 
and with a good burst, uh, does not get knocked down easily. 173 yards, man, and that offensive line was creating space for him. But then after he got hit, he would bounce off and keep moving forward, and that's always a sign of a great running back. Yeah, he and Dax Milne were both walk-ons at one point, which is which is pretty incredible when you think yeah. about it. Now he's running for over a thousand yards. What do you have? Thirteen touchdowns? Fourteen? Uh, I I should double check, but uh, absolutely amazing from a, a guy that kind of surfaced in last year when they had all those running back troubles where everybody kept getting hurt. And they didn't. Yeah. They said, "Hmm, I guess we'll we'll try this guy that uh, tried to play linebacker for us. Let's give him a go." And all of a sudden, he's rattling off a 1,000-yard season. Only the 16th time in BYU history that's happened. Pretty amazing. Yep. And that and I'll go back. UCF is a good team. Boise State was a good team. And BYU just absolutely crushed those teams this year. I mean, Navy wasn't particularly good. BYU crushed that team. And then they also beat a bunch of teams that they should have beaten. But you don't just walk in and do that to UCF, man. That's, and like you said, the defense, uh, uh, we thought it was going to be kind of a shootout. Remember yesterday, uh, I think the last thing we talked about with the, about this game was oh, we were predicting a score of like high 40s to 30-something. We weren't that far off, but BYU's defense was better than we thought it was going to be. Yeah, and that quarterback, uh, that uh, Gabriel kid, he, he's no slouch. That kid's no slouch. And BYU is able to, as you said, keep that team, what, a good 170 yards south of its norm, which uh, – and their drives were disrupted. And they got a lot of those yards after the game was decided, you know. I mean, so my, my favorite sub storyline of last night's game? Uh-huh. Now, it turns out that uh, Coach Mateos and Coach Grimes missed it because of uh, pandemic-related reasons, mm-hmm. and we hope if yeah. there's some uh, positive cases there that everything's going all right. But when uh, my, my favorite sub-storyline was everybody uh, who was covering her there or whatever, uh, I don't see the coaches on the field. What's going on? I mean, the Twitter sphere is just lighting up. I mean, I, I think uh, I saw multiple Twitter people being like, well, he's taking the Boise State job. He's got it. It's, he's gone. It's happening. And uh, no, it just turns out that uh, unfortunately the they had to take some precautions because of uh, the pandemic. But but Twitter was fun there for a couple of hours as everybody speculated. Well, it does. Go I heard to he's show going you, to be uh, Biden's Secretary of State. <laughs> it does go to tell you that uh, BYU has some some talent in that in that offensive coaching room. Did you see Coach Mateos's tweet that he threw out there, uh, where he basically said he was so proud of his guys because they played so well without a coach? And they even had an injury and reacted to that positively without a coach being there. And I thought to myself, I don't know why this hasn't struck me before because it probably should have, but I thought to myself, yeah, what do they do with that? I'm sure another offensive coach gets to like, hey, keep an eye on the lineman. But (laughs) when your position coach is in there, you probably kind of don't have a coach. Well, like he, he probably told Harvey Unga, like, "Hey, keep an eye on those guys, huh? You know, make sure they're, <laughs> make sure they're not. Uh, um, uh, what was the, what was the old Jerry Sloanism for goofing around? Jackpotting. 
jackpotting around. Make sure they're not jackpotting around too much out there. There, uh, there was an in-game picture of the offensive line huddled around a coach. I'd never seen the person before in my lifetime. Uh, well, those those some petrified grad assistant. Like, <laughs> oh, listen, oh, well, those, those, offense, those offensive coaches know how, how to coach up the offensive line. Come on. Oh, I know, uh, Gordon, but we're making some jokes. But oh, you understand oh. that Coach Mateos, is, it, those were his, his words. They did it without a coach. Because <laughs> I'm sure, you know, the running backs coach is concentrating on the running backs and probably keeping one eye on the offensive linemen that there's not six of them out there. But, I mean, you know, there's only so many people that you could monitor. You know what I well, mean? Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think both A-Rod and Fessy Sataki have both been offensive coordinators before, right? So, I mean, they, they know a thing or two about uh, – uh, about you know all positions. Yeah, Jake, how side. dare you say no coaches know what they're talking about down there? Yeah, I just maybe just quoting the coach who's usually down there, who was complimenting <laughs> his his group on on their adult behavior, being able to you know manage themselves to play a good game. I'm I can't sure. believe how incompetent the offensive line coaching staff is at BYU. Myself. The funny thing about that is that uh, that obviously, as Hans will tell you, the offensive line takes a lot of coordination uh but those guys have a lot of experience between them and they they probably are used to sort of telling each other you know uh, giving each other advice and counsel and you know keeping it tight so anyway yeah it was impressive all right coming up next uh we're going to get into the jazz because the season is opening today Locke will join us at the top 3 o'clock hour. Do want to give an update uh, on the road home and how much money was raised uh, yesterday because I want to give a shout-out to our listeners. So we'll get to that as well coming up next. I wanted to get that at the very beginning of the show, but somehow we got distracted with uh, television shows that make an impact on society. But, you know, it's it's, it's the holidays, man. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Uh, We're we're having a good time. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. More next. 1280 the zone. Come on. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not. You're locked on to the big show. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. (laughs) Uh, Band of the day today is Neil Diamond. His Christmas album. It's brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, go to LiveNation.com. I got a confession, guys. I, uh, I, uh, the other night, I watched uh, Elf. And I had, I'd seen Why it once before. Why is that a before. confession? Because the first time I saw it, I didn't like it. And everybody, everybody likes that movie. But for whatever I'll bet reason. Jake doesn't. Oh, it's I fine. Okay. I didn't really like it, but uh, this time I was uh, sort of paying closer attention, and, uh, and I thought the, the ending is kind of cool. So anyway. Just the ending, though, nothing else. No, I thought it was better than I remembered it, man. And uh, I also saw a, this, the final scene, the, the speech part of Scrooge. That was on a, one of the websites, 
And I remember that you mentioned the other day, Jake, that that was one of your favorite Christmas movies. And so I watched that part of it and I thought, yeah, that's probably pretty good. It is a good movie. This portion of the big show brought to you by TV Guide. <laughs> hey, Gordon, real quick before we jump into the jazz, um, want to talk about the road home. The Radiothon was was a great success. We actually um, exceeded our goal uh, for this year, which uh, which is just amazing. Uh, Ten different entities, not just radio stations, but uh, uh, Channel 2's on there as well. But uh, So nine stations in Channel 2. Um, as a whole, Gordon, by uh, our friend Jake Jensen's calculation, uh, we were somewhere north of $1.7 million. Wow, that is really good. Which, uh, according to him, is the second highest we've ever done and uh, the highest of the last few years. So we're still waiting on some final, uh, some final numbers. Uh, but he added um, the $10 to $20 type donors were, um, uh, were kind of the big turnout. Uh, when they looked at the numbers, there were, we had a, a lot of donors, uh, so the the volume number was high. So I I think that's uh, I think that's just amazing. So thanks to everybody who helped out, not just that uh, donated on behalf of the zone, but uh, but overall a huge success. But Gordon, we did not take first this year. We did not. We took second. And big thanks to our listeners without matches. So this is just dollars raised by our listeners north of $100,000, Gordon, $101.1,000, good for second place. Now, I give uh, our good friends at KXRK a lot of credit because this is just a giant number, uh, $148.9,000. So congratulations to them. And here's, here's what I usually do when other people have success. I, I take partial credit. <laughs> um, they really hate losing to us a lot. And, and we, we usually win this particular competition. Uh, it, it happens a lot. And, and so I, I'd like to think that our success in the past really gave them a lot of motivation to hit that unbelievable number. So congratulations to them. Well, I'll get them next time. Yeah, but uh, big thanks to our listeners, really. Uh, and we were in second place by, by quite a ways. So Yeah, our listeners um, are fantastic. And I said that throughout this whole deal. And uh, I, I, it's, it's impressive every single year how generous our listeners are. And when you look at those numbers, people who are donating $10, $20, uh, I mean, those are – those are regular folks who are out there trying to do some good, yep. trying to help out. And that makes it, in some ways, that much more impressive, I think. I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, so thanks to everybody who helped. And it, it, it's amazing that cause uh, to contribute to that cause every year or to help our listeners contribute. And, and you said it best, Gordon. They always come through with flying colors. And it's, you know, it's really cool. It, it makes we talked about, you know, kind of what makes the holiday season music and movies and all these things. But, you know, helping others and, and thinking about our fellow man is what the holidays are all about. So pretty sweet. Congratulations yep. to all our listeners. Thank you very much. And everybody who contributed uh, yep. through whatever entity. Uh, cool thing. 100%. Helping a lot of folks uh, get back to, you know, get back on their feet. Pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, the Jazz open up their season tonight, Gordon. They're at Portland. 8 o'clock tip. 7 o'clock pregame uh, right here on the Zone Sports Network right after the big show. So uh, a long day for yours truly. 
uh, but excited <laughs> about it. Uh, I'm excited the season is getting underway. I think there's so much potential uh, with this particular team and this particular group. And I think uh, the Portland is a really fun way to start out the season. What a great matchup to get things rolling. I'm very excited about tonight's game. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. We mentioned it yesterday, Jake, but this is the perfect team to go up against if you want to see what the Jazz's defense is going to look like against uh, scores uh, on the perimeter. And obviously... They don't come much better than uh, Dame Dalla and uh, McCollum. So, uh, yeah, the Jazz and Nurkic ain't bad either, you know. He's my favorite player in the NBA. Why do you love him so much? Because of the story of how they found him and how he started playing basketball. Remind our listeners. Uh, okay, I should Google the story, but but here's the gist of it. Um, his father was a, a cop back in <laughs> Bosnia-Herzegovina. And uh, he was jumped by a gang of thugs, like 14, uh, and uh, he beat them all up at once. (laughs) That sounds like something out of a movie. I know. I know. He's seven feet and 400 some odd pounds. Right. So an entire group of people, like a dozen people, jumped this guy, and he beat them all up. And uh, there was a basketball uh, scout out there, or agent scout, I don't know, who saw... Uh, this story in the newspaper, like, look at the size of this man, and showed up at his house and said, hey, do you have a son? Because if you do, I'd like to teach him how to play basketball. And uh, now he's in the NBA. And, and if you Google... All, that story's all legit? Uh, yeah. And if you Google a picture of Yusuf Nurkic's dad, he is a mountain of a man. I always made this joke that if that were my father, uh, you know, usually I don't think that hiring a family member as your agent is a really good idea. But if that were my dad, he would be my agent. Can you imagine him sitting down and negotiating with somebody? Like, you will pay my son all of the money. And then the person on the other side goes... Yeah, I'm going to do that. Is that the best you can do? (laughs) Right. Mm, Really? I think you can do a little better. The picture that comes up when you Google his dad... He's sitting in the stands next to, like, a six-year-old kid. And it makes it even that much more phenomenal, the size difference. How would you like to walk out of this room again? Yeah. Uh, I, I think you should give give my son as much as you can give my son. Either that or I will uh, break uh, every bone in your body. I you, mean... Before you slide that offer across the table, did I ever tell you about the story about when I was jumped by uh, 12 uh, armed uh, gang members and I uh, beat them all up? It was a, it was a real laugh. <laughs> and because they insulted me, do not insult me with a bad offer. But, do not. Uh, I, I, I love that story. But um, back to the point. He has developed into a, a very nice uh, NBA player. It, it was too bad he was sidelined by that, uh, that leg injury, which was just gruesome because he was, I mean, he was on the fast track to being a potential all-star. Uh, he's just what that team needs in a little toughness and a, a multiple skilled type big man. And I think he compliments uh, Damian Lillard and, and C.J. McCollum quite well. So we get to see right away if the Jazz have addressed their uh, their issues defensively, and uh, obviously they didn't go out and get Patrick Beverly or uh, or who else, Chris Dunn or somebody like that. They uh, are going about it a different way. We'll see if it uh, if there's any difference made with the way the Jazz play defense. And Quinn has been talking about coordinating the defensive effort, and uh, yeah, I'm real eager to see. Uh, because you're going up against the best in the world tonight. You really are. 
plus a couple of former jazz men on this uh, Portland Trailblazer team. Rodney Hood, of course, who they they gave they like Rodney gave him a nice contract, and uh, Ennis Cantor back with the Blazers. Gordon, boy, Ennis has really gotten around, hasn't he? Yeah, he's bounced around a little bit. He signed that max extension um, uh, with Oklahoma City, only to be bought out, right? And then ended up in Portland, then Boston, and now back in Portland. And was he with the Knicks for a minute too? Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, you're right. Yeah, right. He was. Is he? Uh, can he go home anymore, or is that still a problem? No, he can't go home. Yeah. And that that is a really sad story. His his dad was in jail for a while. He's not now, but just because Ennis. Uh, Sympathized with uh, what's the what's the exiled in America Turkish leader Gulan, I think is his name. Ennis is kind of a disciple nice. of his, yeah. Uh-huh. And President Erdogan, the president of Turkey, uh, they don't they don't get along. Well, it, it be, yeah, became a thing with uh, Peja Stoyakovic for a minute too, because he's like in Erdogan's cabinet or something. Pretty amazing that they tried to disappear Ennis in a Romanian airport. That was like two years ago. That's right. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. And the NBA had to step in because they, they took his visa, right? I think they did Yeah, and that. put him in a room. And, uh-huh. yeah. and the NBA had to say, hey, Romania, yeah, uh, don't turn him over to, to Turkey. That no, The uh, NBA get, sent— Bring him to us. They sent Yusuf Nurkic's dad in there, and they said, oh, have him back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Ennis uh, doesn't travel on road trips to Canada. That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he has to stay in this country. Well, it's, you know, jazz fans may still be angry at Ennis because of his comments that he made uh, after he left the jazz for OKC and all that stuff about, yeah, finally, I'm with a classy organization. I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but that was essentially what he said. And jazz fans didn't uh, take a liking to that. Uh, but I think, and this is, we used to laugh. Remember you'd show up down at the Cheesecake Factory and, and uh, tweet out, hey, are there any women around who want to come, uh, you know? I mean, it just seemed kind of goofy, silly stuff. But uh, he, he probably is a little deeper than uh, than just that, based on some of the things I've seen him get involved in. I think, um, I mean, if we want to dive into this, I think he's matured as a person. Because when he was here, he seemed very immature. I mean, you mentioned something with the Cheesecake Factory. But remember when he, like, what did he do uh, instead of doing his last press conference before he got traded? He, like, didn't he wink at the media? or Oh, he blew a kiss to the media. And I, you know, I taking shots after he's left. It just, it sounds to me what a, what a, person in their early 20s would do like stupid have have you met a mature professional wrestling fan right yeah they're another fan but as he's gotten older and he's focused more of his attention on this issue with turkey and and being an advocate for that and it, i feel like he's a, uh, matured and as he's bounced around a little bit he's really he really identified with the with the community in portland i think that's probably part of the reason they brought him back and he was fairly popular in boston as well so you know, maybe he's found his uh, his niche and has grown up a little bit. Still doesn't play much defense. No, but you know what? That, Gordon, I think gets back to uh, something we talked about yesterday. I don't know how much, like, I don't know what kind of athlete Ennis really is. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of lateral quickness there. Well, he can rebound and he can position himself himself on a low block to shoot it. He can, but, but uh, guard the pick and roll, he cannot. 
Seems to be a bad <laughs> Every time he enters the game, the opposing coach's eyes light up. Right? Well, remember the, the famous Billy Donovan caught on camera moment where he, I think he was talking to Maurice Cheeks, wasn't he? Where he goes, you can read his lips. Can't play canter. Like you can see it in slow motion. Can't play canter. For that reason. Well, um, do you think the Jazz start out with a win on the road tonight? Do you think uh, they're going to, uh, to to be ready for that challenge? Oh, man, I think it's a tough call because I think Portland's pretty good. They're bringing uh, you know, most of their squad back uh, as well. I don't know how much home and road is going to make a difference this year, so I don't know how much that's a factor. But I don't well, know if I'm going to predict the Jazz win because I think it's a tough game. But I, if, I think it'll be a good game. If, uh, if Damian Lillard goes off, do you – do you find it uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell's responsibility to match that, or do you think if 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 Dame Dollar goes off, let's say he he's going, he has 15 points in the first quarter, would that change the way Donovan Mitchell plays? On which would side he of feel the ball? like would he would he feel like okay, I've got to I've got to give my team a lift here, and I've got to to sort of eclipse what uh, D Lil's doing over there. See, it's and, funny uh, how how I, I thought you were going a different direction at the beginning. No, part I'm of that, in offense. That, I'm that in matching opinion. offense with offense. Because shouldn't if if a player does that to you, shouldn't you take that personally and not let him do that to you? Wouldn't it affect <laughs> the way you played on the on the other side of the basketball? In yeah, all honesty, but, if if they if Damian Lillard goes nuts, I don't think the answer is Donovan Mitchell has to match him point for point with this particular Portland team. I think it's limiting everybody else. If Damian Lillard wants to score 35, 40 points. C.J. McCollum, you keep him at 16-17. Because I think the Jazz have enough firepower that they can, I mean, shots the shots are going to be at a premium, and, and uh, there's a lot of mouths to feed on this Jazz team. So I don't think it's necessarily going to take a dominant performance from Donovan Mitchell as much as it is, well, don't let anybody else go nuts and go get Bogey his and go get, you know, Rudy 17. And, and you know, maybe you add your 24-25. But I think that's how the Jazz are winning games this year. But maybe my, not my, in the playoffs, but right now. In my experience of watching NBA games through all the years, it seems like that's a bit of human nature, competitor's nature, for a great player on one team to uh, to want to match or uh, or better whatever the other guy is doing. And I, I don't know. I don't know whether that would be helpful for the Jazz or not. Whether they just stay in their in their normal mode, or if Donovan says uh, this is if he treats every game like a playoff game. You know, like it's my responsibility to make sure my team stays in this game and uh, takes it upon himself at at some level. He, he's not a ball hog. He's not going to do that. But you know what I'm saying? I do. But I, I, I want to see Donovan fight the urge to play hero ball. I know he can. And I know at times maybe it's appropriate. But I think this team is really good. And I think that there are other players that could benefit from uh, from Donovan's playmaking ability that have the ability to to really contribute. All right, we can we can get into more of this, of course, as the day rolls on. Uh, David Locke will join us at the top of the three o'clock hour. Big thanks to the title sponsor of the Big Show. That would be Big O. Uh, stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the lowest price on every tire every day. Big O Tires. More next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. 
Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jig Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Man, you got to love Neil, don't you? Let every heart. Gordon, no thoughts? No, I, I no like comment? Neil Diamond. No, no, I, I saw Neil Diamond in concert once. And when I was younger, I wasn't a huge fan. I was one of those fans that just heard that voice and went, wow, I love this guy. I, I It was more an acquired taste for me. But uh, once, once you really pay attention to what he's singing it's it, it is impressive you ever I asked, I, I asked austin during the uh, during the break if he uh, had seen the movie uh, the jazz singer and he had have you seen that jake uh i have the album i've not seen the movie yeah well it, it's it it sort of uh, uh launched me into appreciation for his music more but and we, as we know, Hans, uh, very own Hans Olsen, is a huge, huge Neil Diamond fan. And uh, I don't think there's a musician out there that he likes more than Neil, right? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't think so. Fiona Apple. He does. He did. And Jewel. <laughs> he did leave us with Fiona. Uh, he did. <laughs> that that was nice when we let Hans select the band of the day. That will I never love that story again. when he got that special seat uh, for the Neil Diamond concert. Through the Colts and I love you, Neil. <laughs> I love you too. But in a, in a in a really really creepy way. <laughs> yeah, Hans's, Hans's feelings about Neil are, are are very strange. Austin told me that his mom's favorite Christmas album is this one we're listening to. Uh, and you know, my mom's I, not Hans's. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what I said. All right, uh, just to set the table with this topic, because we should get into it a little bit uh, more later on down the road, and I, I want to get Locke's opinion about it coming up next. And uh, we'll talk to Sam Amick about it at four as well. But uh, what's going on with Houston? Uh, and the NBA is looking into a video that has surfaced of uh, James Harden uh, not wearing a max- mask in some sort of social gathering. Uh, several Rockets players, including John Wall and uh, DeMarcus Cousins, are, are not going to play tonight because uh, of uh, they went to get a haircut and uh, broke protocol. So they're sitting out. And uh, James Harden, they're looking into this video. Um, and a lot of people at the beginning said he was at a strip club. But uh, James Harden has uh, responded with a statement, Gordon, which he said on Instagram, quote, one thing after another, I went to show my love to my homegirl at her event, not a strip club, because she is becoming a boss and putting her people in position of success. And now it's a problem. He goes on every day. It's something different. No matter how many times you try to drag my name under, you can't. The real always end up on top. And, of course, the NBA protocol, uh, no-no. Strip clubs, uh, a no-no. But uh, what do you think, Gordon? What do you think about this saga uh, with James Harden? Oh, I think this is just sort of, this is an exaggeration of what's going to happen a lot this season. Because there's going to, whether it's, 
whether it's uh, tawdry in nature or whether it's just guys making mistakes or guys getting cabin fever or whatever it is, uh, or, or maybe even when guys are doing everything they should, this whole specter of uh, COVID is going to hang over teams, uh, players, teams, and thereby games. And you're never going to know exactly if a, if a, a, te- a team is going to be able to play. And that's just part of what we're dealing with right now. And uh, this is an exaggerated case because James Harden has made it, has turned it into a soap opera, really. Well, here's here's the thing, Gordon, and, uh, and there are going to be bumps in the road. I, I hear what you're saying. But in this particular instance, this is James Harden being insubordinate. I mean, this yeah. is James Harden saying, you better trade me because I'm going to make your life miserable. <laughs> Until well, I hadn't, I hadn't read into it uh, that kind of sort of uh, purposeful nature, but uh, it, it is they got to trade him, Jake. There, there's just no other way about it. Uh, two different issues here. One is how you're going to handle this star player, and then the other one is COVID, and that's something that everyone has to deal with. But it, it, it is a mess down there right now, and I don't know how quickly or how simply it's going to get solved. Well, there's nothing simple about it. I mean, flat out. I do love that James Harden went to the entrepreneur card. Uh, You mean supporting his uh, homegirl? Yeah, supporting his friend who's just trying to, you know, make a little cash, run a business, support her employees. Well, do you buy that since you think he's being disruptive on purpose? Uh, Well, can't they both be true? (laughs) I mean, he's he's going to his friend's event in spite of the rules. Mm. I mean, it could have been a charity event. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it's against the rules to go to these types of gatherings. And I think it's the number they, they set at, is at 15. You can't go to a they, gathering above 15. Didn't he come right out and say, hey, they're, they're not going to control me. I'm going to I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I don't know if he came out and put it that plainly. Now, there was news uh, as well that came out today, and I think it was Shams or maybe it was McMahon. uh, I can't remember who reported it, but that uh, James Harden did indeed have the coronavirus before the bubble, Mm -hmm. and that was the reason for his delayed entry into the bubble. And so um, I I think that was floated out there, too, as, I don't know, he has antibodies or something. I I don't know what they're trying to communicate, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to his friend's event because he's telling the Rockets, like, I, I don't care. I don't care. I don't want well, to be here. You, I don't care. Yeah, if you have a player who doesn't care, then you've got to un- unload him. You, you just have to. You can't You can't abide this. There's no – I don't know how it's going to go for the Rockets this year. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's some hope that that team can do something. But it is not going to be able to accomplish what it wants to if there is disruption from its best player. It's, it, it just doesn't work. And that's it's a it's a it's a player driven league now. And he's got the power. He does not have the power to determine where he's going to be traded. But he does have the power of forcing a trade. And, and I think that's how this is going to turn out. That's that's just a fact. The other half of this whole story is the COVID thing, and we can get into that because I don't know. I don't know how many games are going to be lost, 72-game schedule. I don't know how many are actually going to be played, but I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see double-figure games for each team not being played. 
We're going to talk to David Locke coming up next. Stay tuned. Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.